know, today. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, I think that's how we'll start. If anyone, you got a word God gave to you, or it's kind of past, or some fresh word God gave to you in the next week or in the past week or two? Or, uh, I, I, if, if I can go ahead, sir. Uh, yeah. I kind of feel I, I kind of feel old. I got my wife and I, we have five kids, but I kind of feel old because you know how in Acts, Peter quotes Joel and he says, young men see visions and your old men said you uh, dream dreams. The Lord, uh, the last two times that he's directly dealt with me personally has been in dreams. <laughs> he uh, like, I, and I, don't, I rarely remember my dreams. My dream. I had, a, I had a dream uh, and, and uh, like several Psalms kept coming over my mind, coming over my mind and my dream. And I woke up and I just felt impressed Well, I need to really study those Psalms. And then I recently had a dream uh, that about a, a minister and it was, I won't go into the details, but the dream, but then I've listened to some of his videos and they've really connected with me and my spirit. So that, that the, God, the Lord's been dealing with me a lot with dreams lately. And, and can I say something about that? I think that's awesome how you responded because that's correct. Anytime God gives you a dream, he's trying to get a message to you. And it's up to us to go after that <laughs> or seeking it out. And so I, I just wanted to really encourage you, Brian, that that was right on what you did. You started looking into the songs you start looking into this specific preacher. God, there's a message. God's going to again connecting some dots for you. And it's amazing you would say that, Brian, because um, I um, have been having a lot of dreams over the past four weeks and um, dreams about crusades and overseas meetings and and I was telling Jennifer, I had one dream that was so powerful and it was so beautiful that when I woke up, I just lay there with tears streaming down my cheeks. And all I could say was, you know, Papa God, I have a yes in my heart. If that's what you want me to do, I, I say yes. Uh, Crystal, do you have something you want to add? Um, yeah, I do. And I'm glad that we kind of opened up, um, Brian opened up with um, dreams and, and um, Prophet Jennifer. She asked about what the, the Lord has been saying to you recently or that type of thing. Um, uh, I believe it was sometimes like last week. Um, it was after my prayer time or, or about during. And sometimes I get forget-minded. But anyway, um, the Lord, he told, me, he told me to fly with the eagles. He told me to fly with the eagles. Well, here you are. <laughs> you know, spirit-led family's logo is an eagle. Yeah. So you're with the eagles already. Just start flapping your wings, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Charmaine, go ahead. Morning, yes. <laughs> it's actually amazing you're talking about dreams. Because last week, it wasn't a good week. I had a lot of nightmares. But last night, I had a dream about Donald Trump, actually. <laughs> And I, I dreamt that he, I was with a group of people that I didn't really know, but, you know, in the dream you sort of know them. And he was actually inviting us all to be part of a certain project with him. But at the same time that he was forming this group to do something, he was busy with his will. He was busy putting people in his will and he was adding us all in as heirs of his will and then he asked if I want to ask my sister also to join in, which I did, but she didn't want to join in. And then I, the dream sort of ended where I was in a room where he was sitting at a long table at the head of the table. 
and I was at a buffet, uh, um, you know, um, busy getting food for him and asking asking him what kind of food he likes that I need to dish in into his plate. And then I woke up and I actually felt quite good in the dream. I, I sort of felt, um, not that it's really relevant to him, but I sort of saw it as a sort of provision kind of dream. I don't know if you've got any other interpretation. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my dream. <laughs> uh, you have to tell me the last part of it because – Jennifer decided to offer a burnt offering up in the kitchen, and so all of our smoke alarms went off in the house. So oh, go ahead okay. and finish the last part of that dream. Yeah, the last part was um, where he was in a in a room at a, a long table, you know, like a boardroom table, and he was sitting at the end, and there was a buffet table with food, and he wanted me to dish in some food for him. And then I was standing there asking him what would he like, and as I was putting the food on the the plate he was busy with documentation because as I said he was busy drawing up his wool and adding us all into his wool as is and then um, I sort of woke up because before that I just said he had asked if I would include my sister um, in the group and I asked her but she didn't really want to she was reluctant but I was excited because I said we're going to have this project with this guy who's a billionaire, obviously, and he's adding us in his will, so that's, you know, all about provision. <clears throat> yeah, and then I woke up. Well, let, me speak, given yeah. let me speak to that prophetically. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm going to say a few things that I believe are very important for me to say about this, because you spoke Donald Trump. Um, I will tell you, do I believe that Donald Trump was a man that God used for America and for the world, yes, I do. I believe he did good in helping America turn back to uh, you know, uh, being, being a nation that, that flows with um, the things of God. And um, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to mute uh, different ones until we get going here. Because my wife still has her music going on in the background. and <clears throat> She doesn't realize that it's causing feedback anyway um you know i believe just like anybody in the word of god that <laughs> is used by god that you are a vessel okay and that god um will use you and it's kind of like in the bible where you have the um you have the uh the um uh, ministry of Uzziah, that as long as he honored God and, and lifted God up and, 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 and saw God as his source, um, he was used mightily until his heart became lifted up. And I think any leader that allows your heart to get lifted up, um, then it, it hinders God from being able to use them like he'd like to. But I believe you saw a dream of Donald Trump just showing that there is a resurgence of people in America, what that represents, that desire to be known as a nation that is under God and that um, it, it doesn't want to see America go the direction of the negativity. And, you know, while I do believe that somehow, you know, Donald Trump may still affect the nation positively in some ways, I don't believe that, um, uh, he's going to become president again. At least I personally don't think so. I don't think God hasn't spoken that to me, but I do believe there's plenty of people that want to um, uh, have a nation that is 
uh, you know, and of course we can't leg- legislate holiness. We can't legislate the things of the spirit. You can't. Uh, and, and I want to say this about the kingdom. You know, the kingdom of God is within us. And when we talk about uh, bringing the kingdom of God into people's lives and the kingdom of God influencing all the kingdoms, I don't stand for the idea of, of us going and conquering all the spheres of society, taking over banking, taking over business, taking over government, you know, it's, it's going to be a revolution. I mean, have you not read in the, in the, <laughs> I don't trust us with a lot of that power because if you read history, it wasn't a very pretty thing when so-called Christians tried to conquer the nations uh, with the Templar Knights and the things of that nature. I think we just need to leave those things in the hands of God and seek to influence people to Christ, to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being empowered and transformed by his presence and glory, and let the rest, uh, that's where kingdom is. The word kingdom in the original is basilea, which its basis understanding is influence or power or rule over. And I believe that's where we need to see God's influence in our schools, God's influence in politics. And that's where a lot of the nation says, well, we believe in God, but we don't want it in politics. We believe in God. We don't want him in business. We don't want him. And that's where we've got to make our stand. But we need to go ahead and shift so we don't just start getting off in different directions and talking about whatever so we can stay on focus here. Let me greet a few people that just come on. I want to say Million Bowman. God bless you from Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, just outside of Indianapolis. So glad you're with us. I had the honor of meeting Million. We've had several discussions. I'm glad you're here tonight, Million. Uh, we're going to do some teaching, but we welcome you to Spirit-Led Family. Um, uh, I want to welcome Misha Williams back again. So glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. And I want to welcome um, our good friends, Regina and uh, her family. So glad that you're here with us tonight. Um, <clears throat> let's go ahead and we're going to dive into some, some teaching tonight because we're right in the middle of teaching on Orphan Hearts. And um, thank you, Jennifer, for opening up and asking for people to share a word of prayer. And we will continue praying in these areas that have shared, especially with Charmaine's dream. But I want to right now go ahead and um, there she is, Miss America. Where's your book, baby? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 we're not teaching, we're teaching different tonight. We're not teaching from that. So we're not teaching from our handbook right now, guys. I sent everybody last week the notes on the orphan heart. And so I hope you got them. And we're going to continue teaching on that here tonight. So uh, what I'll do is I'll go ahead in the chat. And I'm going to drop in the chat the notes again for tonight. So if you didn't get those notes last week. Um, you can have these notes to, to follow along. And if you just double click on download it from the chat box, and if you double click on it, then you'll be able to um, access it. And I'm not seeing it. Um, I'm so sorry. I should have done this earlier because I'm not seeing my files. There they are. Give me one second, please, while I access this. So everybody has notes again tonight. Uh, we're on Healing Orphan Hearts Part 1. And boom, there they are. They're in the chat box. You click on that PDF and you'll be able to follow along on the notes. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week in our teaching. 
And um, let me just go ahead and share my screen so you can see it. There we go. And share. All right. So hopefully everybody can see this. Um, so we, we, we covered several things last week and we talked about how uh, Jesus had servant leadership and, and how we have a spirit of a son. We serve, serve in hope because our identity is uh, from him and um, talked about uh, our identity in Christ and how important that was. And one thing I am going to talk about tonight that's going to be very important is I'm going to talk about what it means to be a spiritual son or daughter, as well as being a mother or a father, because there's a lot of, of just, you know, people love to try to um, uh, skip the process and you cannot become a true father or mother spiritually until you learn how to become a good son or daughter. And if you skip the whole process and you don't ever learn what it means to be a good son or daughter, you're not going to learn what it means to be a good uh, mother or father. It's just like in, in math. If you skip the basics of addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and you jump right into calculus, you're not going to do very well because you got you to go in the process, the building blocks. So first of all, it's understanding and discovering who we are in God. It's called our identity in Christ. Once you understand your identity in Christ, you're no longer looking for recognition or promotion. You know, to sit on the right hand or the left. You, you, you simply seek to serve with love and humility, even if it's the dirty, unwanted jobs in the kingdom. You do it with, 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 with rejoicing because you know that you serve with the heart of a servant but also with the heart of a king. What that means is you're willing to serve, but you're also willing to, you, you know who you are in God. And so God can give you keys to the kingdom, keys, the keys of authority. And anytime you're given keys, to the kingdom always seek for places to serve. God doesn't give us authority for positions and to rulership, for us, he gives it to us so we can empower people and protect people. That's why God lifts people up in the sphere of government and gives a power and authority and influence. That's why God lifts people up in the body of Christ, in the ecclesia, and gives them power and authority. It's to serve others and first to empower and second to protect. Unfortunately, we've see, all seen it. People in governmental positions, in the business world positions with financial power, that they use the power to rule and to crush people. And, to, and that's not doesn't belong in the kingdom. When God reveals purpose in you, don't try to accomplish your purpose with strategizing. We do our best in purpose with the towel over our hand, serving. We can work from favor, but not for favor. We don't do what we do so we can have favor in God. We do what we do knowing he will favor us. And when the favor comes upon us, that favor is not for us. That favor is for those we are serving in the kingdom. And that's why I was talking to someone this morning who was talking about prayer and fasting. And I said, one thing I'd be careful about in prayer and fasting, and religious order is bad about this. A lot of times, religious order follows after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you remember in the Bible, in the garden, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when you ate the tree of knowledge, good and evil, it was something desired to make one wise, the Bible says. 
And if, if you pray and fast, let's say you fast for 21 days and people know about it. If more attention is put on, wow, how'd you fast 21 days? Was it water only? Wow, you're so powerful. You're so strong. Well, you pray for 10 hours. Wow, you pray 10 hours a day. The problem is you're turning away from the understanding that God's grace is what enables us to do what we do. It's not prayer and fasting. You see, a common saying in Pentecost especially was, Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. So, of course, as a young man, I took off. Ah, I'm going to pray and fast as much as I can because I want a lot of power. But again, we don't work for favor. We work from favor. Anything that can be accomplished by paying a price is not from grace or even empowered by true faith. And if I can just do things because I prayed and fasted, then the death of Jesus was of no effect. Jesus died on the cross for no reason at all. So our identity has to be in him, not a, a title, not our identity, what we do. Our identity starts with being sons and daughters of God. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul said, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. What he means is nothing in the flesh impresses me. You got to get to a place in the kingdom where the only thing that impresses you is God. His presence, not people, their titles, their accomplishments. He goes on to say, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature and old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So when you enter into rest as a son or a daughter, that's where you truly learn how to become a son and a daughter. What you have to decide is whatever you're facing right now, whatever dilemma, whatever impossibility, whatever thing that seems impossible, are you going to believe that your father is powerful and can handle what you're facing with supply and provision and protection? Or do you have to step back in and take over and make it happen? That is a huge sign of someone with an orphan heart is when you begin trusting God for a situation in your life that seems impossible. It's out of your hands. You can't do anything to make it happen. And for a while, you rest and say, I trust God. God's got it. And after a while, when it doesn't seem God's working fast enough, he's not doing enough, then you kind of step back in and take over. Once you learn to not take over and just say, I trust you, Papa. Amen then you know you're entering into the place of a son. Of course, the identity of being a son is in the kingdom, you lose to gain. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Whatever you're trying to protect in your life, you're going to lose it anyway. Whatever you're holding on to that's keeping you from obeying God in your assignment, you're not going to keep it. You're, you're going to lose it. That's what he said. When you try to save your life by not doing what God asked you to do, not stepping out by faith, not making the sacrifice, whatever it is you think you're saving, you're going to lose anyway. Look at the foundation you're built upon. You see, when we choose to live daily sacrificial lives for the king, 
that is when we truly enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. And Patricia says, amen. Amen. So um, I'm going to switch over to our next slide. And while I'm doing it, I'm just going to, I want to say just a couple things about this. You know, I'm not saying that you should not fast or pray. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you fast, do it as the Bible tells you to do it. When you fast, the Bible says, don't let the right hand know what the left hand does. Don't broadcast it. Just understand that we all are living by the grace and power of God. And that's what brings the breakthrough. Now, I'm going to shift and I'm going to talk about something very, very important. And I'm sure some of you are probably going to have questions on this. So um, I'm only going to teach for about 20 minutes, and then we're going to break for some questions and comments. And this is very important because I want you to listen to this teaching, guys. Listen. Listen and take notes. Because you got to decide where do you think you are. You know what the number one problem today is with internet ministry, with, with social media? Anybody can sign up and get a slick landing page, pay for some click funnels to get people to come to their site, put apostle so-and-so over the top of it, but they may not be ready for that. They may, when you have people that are wounded trying to lead and teach others, they only end up wounding others. That's why even in Spirit-led family, we're very slow in bringing people into team ministry. Your family, absolutely, your family. But it takes a while because you may need to heal before your team. And if you rush somebody into the team spot before they're ready, they're only going to hurt other people. So let's look at spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. And this is normally the fourth lesson I teach, but I felt tonight to jump to it. So here are the levels of maturity in a person's life that is born again. In Matthew 5 and 48, Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, being perfect doesn't mean you're flawless. It means you're mature, you're complete, and you're at peace with where you are. You know, when a, a, a child is two years old and has a diaper on and is running back and forth across the living room in the, in the house, he's perfect. No, he hasn't even started school yet. He may not speak very well. He can't drive a car. He can't go out and weed the garden. But where he's at or she's at in her, in her process, he or she is perfect. As long as you're where you're supposed to be in your process, then you can live at peace with where you're at. What it means to live at peace is nothing missing in my life. Nothing is broken. I'm not missing anything. I'm not damaged. <clears throat> Matthew 5 and 48 says, you therefore must be perfect, growing in the complete maturity of godliness in mind and character and having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. You see, what I'm interested in is, are you where you're supposed to be according to what Papa says? Because I've seen people that have been in the church 30 years, but they're still immature in their spirit because they never went through the process of allowing themselves to submit to spiritual fatherhood or motherhood. 
to allow someone to speak into their life and yes, correct them and yes, be accountable. And what's sad is, especially if you're anointed and gifted prophetically, it's much easier to just fly by the tune of your own drum. And a lot of people get wounded by a pastor or an organization and boom, they're off just doing their own thing. They're not submitted to anybody. They're prophesying. They're being used of God, but they're not mature. And they end up doing more damage than good in the kingdom. So let's look at the five stages of maturity for a believer. In the New Testament, there's five different Greek words to describe these various stages of spiritual maturity. These words are nepios, pation, technon, huios, and teleos. Now, again, our goal is to grow towards maturity in Christ. You cannot rush the growing process. You can't sit down and decide when God wants to help you grow in an area. Okay, God, I'll do this for three months. And then when I decide I'm done, I'm done. I've seen people that I've told them, look, you need time to, to let God heal you in some areas. And, and they get, they kind of have a timeout where they just go and they, huh, okay, well, I'm going to sit for a month and a half or six weeks. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to talk to nobody. I'm not going to let anybody into my life. And I'm just going to sit here and let God make me grow. And at the end of six weeks, they have no more grown than the man in the moon because they got a poor attitude about it. They look at it as a timeout, as or like in religion where you're set down, you get set down. Well, that's not the concept. The concept is understanding every trial, everything we go through, every difficulty, every fire that comes in our life that God allows. It's not because God hates us or is angry at us. He wants us to grow. And when our responses are correct in these areas and we respond correctly, that's what causes us to grow. Now, it's not possible, excuse me, though it is possible to reach a certain level, you could go like grow from Nepios to Pateon and then stagnate and be at Pateon for a long time. That's not what God wants. Let me tell you about seasons. Seasons, you can't rush them. If God decided for me that I was to go through a two and a half year season, that I would sit and heal and allow him to, to transform me inside. I was done with that season three weeks into it, but God wasn't. You cannot force and make a season end sooner. You can stretch it out. You can make a six-month season last six years because you become stubborn and just you're going to do it your way. You don't care. But that's, it's not the normal thing. It's like, for instance, again, if you saw a child running across a, 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 a living room with diapers on that's two years old, you say, oh, how cute. Look at that child. But if a 10-year-old ran across a living room with a diaper on, you'd be like, Houston, we got a problem. Let's look at the first stage, the infant, Nepios. The word nepios in the original is an infant, a little child. The New American Standard Version um, says it's an infant or someone who is simple-minded or immature. In vines, it literally means without the power of speech. It's like a child that can't even talk. And, and it's, it's someone who's just lost. And many times, you know, this is someone who's a brand new Christian, someone who's only been and this is one thing that I really get grieved at. People that become brand new Christians, but because they're, uh, they got a lot of money, 
or they're a celebrity, they get rushed up into the pulpit, start having ministry way too quick. Paul said, don't use somebody too quickly because the devil will end up tripping them up. And so many of the references here, Matthew 11 and 25, Luke 10 and 21, uh, Romans 2 and 20. Again, it talks about those that are carnal. They've not grown. Uh, they're, 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 they're immature in their spiritual understanding and power. First uh, Corinthians 3 and 1, Paul said, they're, they're those that are partakers of milk and they haven't experienced the word of righteousness. Now, can somebody who is a nepios prophesy? Yes. Can they prophesy powerfully? Yes. Can a nepios lay hands on someone and see a blind eye open or a deaf ear stop or a dead person raised? Yes. But you don't judge a person's spiritual maturity by the gifts in their life. This is where we mess up. I can come around someone and sense that they're not mature and their, their, their spiritual maturity is dwarfed from what their gift is. And people are saying, oh, but they're so powerful. They're so accurate. They were dead on. Yes, but they're immature. They've stagnated in their growth and they're a danger to the kingdom. Oh, but they just, you're just being judgmental. God's using them. No, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. It reminds me of a story I heard about a, a, a man who was walking through the, his back his, in the woods and he found a branch that had fallen down from a storm and they had a cocoon attached to it. So he, he cut the branch off, took it home and set it up on his windowsill. And every day when he'd work, he'd wash his cocoon. He was hoping to see the butterfly come out of the cocoon. But one day he's working on his, his project. He looks up and the cocoon starts moving. And, and pretty soon he sees a little bitty hole form in the end of it. And for hours and hours and hours, that poor little caterpillar was pushing against this little bitty hole, trying to push through it. And he could barely even get the first part of his, his body, his, the head of his body through this hole. And so finally this, this guy decided to help this poor little caterpillar along. Because he'd been struggling for so long. So he reached out, took his knife, and he slid open the, the cocoon. And the, 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 the half caterpillar, half butterfly fell out on the table. Problem was, it was a big old fat body with litty bitty wings. And it would never develop into a full-grown butterfly. Because he had ruined the process. Because the way nature designed it is that caterpillar had to struggle to push through that small opening. And by pushing through the opening, it would force all the fluids out of the caterpillar's body and cause the wings to spread magnificently until they were full, beautiful wings with the small little body that normal butterflies have. And instead of that caterpillar being a beautiful monarch butterfly that can stretch its wings and fly, it forever remained a fat little caterpillar with tiny wings. Parents, this is what you do when you bail your kids out every time they have a problem. Every time your kids misspend and do things wrong and you pay their bills for them and you never let them face the consequences of their life. You never let someone go through the trial and you try to protect them and you, you step ahead. You're not helping them. You're dwarfing them in their walk with God because the struggle is what causes us to move into the next stage of growth.
Now, the nepios, the son or daughter, is an infant in faith. Most people, their nepios are still in the bondage of the elements of the world, are led by the flesh, they're unskilled in the word. And when it comes to the apes offices of leadership, when it comes to nepios believers, it's better to recognize the gift that is present in their life, but let time for the office to emerge. This is not the time to start calling someone an apostle or prophet. This is what I mean when I say emerging apostles and prophets sometimes. You know, that's why we also teach that you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. Because, you know, you want people to encourage them and to build them up and bring them comfort in this level. And yes, a nepios can operate in the gift of prophecy, but it needs to remain encouraging, building up, and bringing comfort. Not repeating prophetic words you heard on YouTube that some great prophet said, so you can be a prophet too. Help us, Jesus. So Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, when I was a child, Nepios, I speak as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things, Nepios. So a Nepios needs to keep obeying God's word and all that he does and spend a lot of time in the word while dating the spirit and become transformed by the glory of God. Let's go to the next one. Pation. This is a young child. Now, in the New American Standard uh, Dictionary, it's uh, a pation is a young child. The New Strong's Dictionary of Hebrew and Greek words talks about a childling or a half-grown boy or girl, but still immature. Vine's complete expository says a, a pation is, again, little children. Now, the term pation was used for children after they were approximately two years old, up to the age of 11 or 12. And it's right before what's called a bar mitzvah in the Jewish religion. During this stage of life in the natural or physical world, the child starts to discover their own will and how to do things their own way. And it's at this time, the rebellion starts to show and discipline is needed to correct it. In the spirit realm, the same is true. You see, people start growing and they don't know how to start praying and start growing in the spirit. And all of a sudden they decide they don't need a pastor. They don't need someone over their life. They can hear from God themselves. And again, so much emphasis with social media is put on people's ability to prophesy and to show things and to preach and to, preach and to speak that they could still be a patty on, but be being treated like they're a mature believer. And it's dangerous. Now, in 1 John 2 and 13, the patty on does begin to recognize the relationship with God and can develop a true relationship with the Father and, and, and do things in, in conjunction with, with, with the Father. In the spiritual realm, it's also true that a pation can grow from just knowing God that's given you life to start knowing him as one that walks and talks with us. And you're starting to dramatically grow in your knowledge and your relationship and start learning about good and evil and deception and learning and recognizing the truth of God's word from the false. And this comes from spending time in the word and spending time in Papa's presence, but you still haven't learned the deep nuances of spirit. And so you could end up as a patty on, especially in prophetic, running off to 